Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I am your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. And I have Mr. Chris Corbeau from Midtown Title in here this morning. How are you doing, sir? Mr. Thayer, I am fantastic. How are you doing? Welcome back from vacation. Man, thank you. It's good to be back, and I appreciate you guys covering the show last week and knocking it out, man. It was Awesome, awesome, awesome. You guys sounded great. So, I asked management if we were picked up on a syndicate uh, level, and they said not that they had heard of. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so keep holding out hope. Hey, there's always hope. Yes, there is. And David Luke from Capital Homes, how are you, man? I am excellent. How you doing today? Not bad, man. Just post, you know. Vacation, vacation brain, huh? Yeah. It's just like, man, you're back to reality. Oh, your money, man, Mike. Stack and the and the inbox stack. Mm-hmm. And the... He's all tan though, so uh, you can tell oh, he's been yeah. out there lounging in the in the uh, sea breeze. A little bit. He's not doing bad. Looking good. A little bit, man. Either that or he got some good cream going on there. You got something going on over here. Tanning cream. <laughs> Tanning cream. <laughs> <laughs> they got that orange tint to them. <laughs> yeah. You too can look like Donald Trump. <laughs> Boom. He was checking out properties down at the beach side down there. Uh, yeah, man. So, uh, doing his due diligence. That's right, man. Oh, so, it was a tax write-off. Is that what yeah, yes, as so his accountant says, yes. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Well, I hope nobody from the IRS is listening and going to question whether or not those deductions are legit or not. I about to say, Jim, you need to edit this part out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Rewind, let's retake. Get it out. No, man, if any of you guys missed last week's show, go out to moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. Check it out because every show is recorded, obviously, and then we also video it. So you not only get to see the show, but then you get the outtakes and the in-betweens. And, you know, we record stuff during the, the commercial breaks and everything, and sometimes... That's some pretty comical stuff because it's. We didn't we, do that last week. Y'all didn't joke on each other last week. Well, we were just having difficulty operating the cameras. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> let's tell the truth. Chris was bound a little tight. Uh, oh oh yeah, I was, man. So. It's a lot easier over on this side, isn't it? It is. This side of the desk is a lot more comfortable. You notice <laughs> well, I hosted a while back, and and when that email went out, hey, I need someone to host. I didn't respond. There was crickets. <laughs> yes, there you was. You did the crickets. first time, though. Yes, he did. I, I, uh-huh. I did hey, I, I did. started really tight. I couldn't even say the name of the station, and then, uh, <laughs> and then by the end, I got got a little looser. But uh, yeah, I was still he walking. Was, he was going to say KRP, I think. At one Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, I tried really hard not to say that. So, uh, but yeah, there's no outtakes from last week. So, oh man, I'm sure there are. You guys did great, man. You did great, but yeah, it's. A, it's a different world over here, but yeah, man, it's fun. You just yep. sit back, relax, and go with it. But yeah, if you missed anything, check it out on, on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio or out on uh, the net at moneymanmike.net on the website. Check all that out. Plus, we're doing some revisions and some new additions to the website, so you're going to see a bunch of things that are changing and evolving on the website over the next couple of weeks, so don't be surprised with that. So I uh, hope you guys like the changes and give us some feedback as well. But uh, this week's show is going to be pretty awesome. We're going to catch up on some things. We're going to get back into some more industry lingo. Did you guys touch on any industry lingo at all? Or did you guys just go right That's into your- all we did. All we you did? did? The whole thing, yeah. We talked about lingo after lingo after lingo. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. What not to do before closing, uh, what not to do, what to do to be prepared for closing. Yeah, absolutely. So, there those all are important kinds of, topics, though. Those are super. And so a lot of industry lingo was inclusive in that. Yep. Cool. Don't buy the Tesla till after you close. Things like that. <laughs> don't buy it until after you close. Don't, yeah. don't, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. People that go out and buy stuff prior to closing, I don't get it. David had a great 
story on that. You know, two of the things of things not to do was not to change your jobs and don't no. change your marital status. No. And David was saying he had a client that had got his hand caught in a cookie jar. And so not only did he lose his, he, so uh, with, a, with a co-worker at geez. work, and so he lost his job and then came home and lost his spouse. Uh, so he he he, he, not, he was two for two. Yes, he was. He all was of you want to be. All of fame of canceling <laughs> sales contracts. <laughs> so uh, that was a great story, and uh, hopefully well, we then, recorded and then the it well. My my dad, my parents were the guy got married and divorced in between the time we wrote the sales agreement and the time they were supposed to close. Do you what? Yes, yes, he oh, did. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, you got to have a repeat on that one. Oh, you yeah. can't put that out there and just tease the people listening today. My my much less me. My my. My parents were buying 47 acres and down in Fairview. It was a beautiful piece of property. And the guy that was selling it, after he wrote his sales agreement, I guess his ex-wife found out how much he sold the property for. So she came over and snuggled up to him real quick, and they got remarried. And what? Then, and then she said, I don't really want to be married to you. I just want half the money and got divorced. <laughs> In the wow. space of you know, uh, like so, three weeks, yeah, three weeks or so. It was very fast. It so. was a mess. Chris had to clean it all up. It was quite entertaining. Wow, that's what I do, street sweeper. Dude, <laughs> you, clean, you, clean you, it up, man. Sweet sweeper. That that's true, man. I you do. I, I can't remember. It was a long time ago, so I can't remember how much that mistake cost him. But it was money. It yeah, no, money. it was it was substantial because she yeah. did ended up she retained counsel and ended up getting a substantial amount of it, yeah. if not half of it. I can't remember all the way. Just for being married three weeks, it was well, real money. Real money. <laughs> they can't see that that was all a ploy, a game. It doesn't matter. He fell for the trick. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but yep. Oh, I'll do it. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. All right, what you got Since, for us today, bud? Dude, we're gonna talk. Nothing that good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to follow that up, man. I have no transition. No, I've got nothing for that, man. So, Jamie, can we go to break, man? <laughs> uh, no. Couple minutes. <laughs> Couple more minutes. What's going on in Nashville? What do we got right now, dude? We got everything going on in Nashville. But um, well, you sent that really interesting chart about inventory levels. Yeah, we don't want to get into that yet because that's going to take a little bit longer. We'll, we'll touch on some uh, industry lingo real quick, and then we'll get into the rest of the show. But, All right. Um, interest rate versus APR. We've mm. covered this one time before, but this is like, I think every client has this question. What's the difference between my interest rate and my APR? See, I don't get that as much anymore because we don't have truth and lendings at closing anymore. Now, granted, it's on the closing disclosure, but before you would have your HUD statement and then you would yes. get your mm-hmm. uh, truth and lending, which would have the APR. Like if you go buy a car, you're going to look at your old purchase agreement from the car dealership and it's going to show what your AP, what your annual percentage rate is on there. Right. Um, and so, but we don't really get this very much at the closing anymore, but you guys probably still do. Yeah, is we it, still get it. Isn't the APR pretty much the return to the investor? Which tabulates in the cost of the fees that you're also charging. Is that correct? It's basically the cost of the fees factored into the interest rate. It's really all it I would always say it costs you money to borrow money. It always costs money to borrow money. And so what you're looking at is an overall cost of doing business by acquiring this loan. So not but, only what you're repaying the lender, but the cost to acquire the loan. But the question oftentimes, yeah, that's right. That's right. The cost to acquire the loan. Because the question is, why am I paying 4% on my interest rate, but my APR is 4.116? Right, but who's paying the closing costs? Yeah. So we'll jump into that. We'll finish that up and wrap it all up. Uh, we'll get back from the break. When we get back, we're going to get into the U.S. housing inventories that are hitting a new record low and three tips to be successful in today's real estate market. Been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. 
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. For the break, we're getting into our uh, industry lingo. We're talking interest rate versus APR and how people get them confused and so forth. But really, your interest rate is your rate. It's what your payment is based off of. Your APR is how the government wants to factor in what closing costs would be and how that would be equated into an interest rate and so forth and what's the total cost of the loan and so on. But yet, with mortgages, it also depends on who's paying the closing cost. So, if you have a seller paid closing cost of five grand and your closing cost is five grand just for simple math, it's still going to show your APR is X, but yet it's you're not paying that. You follow me? Because somebody else is paying the closing costs on your behalf. That's why I said it the way that I said it's it's the return to the investor. Yeah. Whether somebody else is paying it for you or you're paying it, it it's still it's it's, it's, the, it's the return it's the return to the investor based on the total fees. I try to tell people you don't don't focus on the APR because it's unless you're the investor, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Yeah. I mean, it does, and it also depends on how it's set up. If it's not set up and you know the proper boxes are checked. Your APR is not going to be correct. I, my, my favorite one is always, how do you even calculate the APR on a five-year, one-year adjustable? It's, I don't. Est- it's estimated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, what, what does that number mean? It doesn't mean anything. So it's all hypothetical. Do you know why we have the APR on mortgage documents? Why is that? The auto industry. Oh. Really? Yep. There's quite a bit of fraud in the auto industry, and uh, for all the extra fees and costs that they would put in loans. And so it was mandated that all loans would have the APR at that point in time. Way to go, Chevy, Ford, and Dodge. So uh, I didn't specifically set any names. You did, so I have no idea which <laughs> particular manufacturer was doing that. But um, went after the American companies, too. Couldn't go after the, you know. The Toyota, Nissan. Oh, well, there you go. But, yeah, there was a lot of additional fees being added in, uh, yield premiums, which are the difference between what the dealership was selling the rate for yeah. and what they were actually buying the, the paper for. And uh, and so people wanted to know exactly what the cost was to acquire the loan from the car dealerships. Cool. And so it just got implemented across the board. How long ago was that? Approximately. Oh, a long time. Ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Longer than in the eighties, uh, probably seventies or eighties. Okay. So interesting. I didn't know that. So did you see that? We we didn't cover it last week, but did you see that big story about Amazon and Kenmore? No. Oh my goodness! Amazon has structured a deal with Sears. Sears Kmart slash Kenmore, and they're going to be offering appliances on Amazon. That's going to change a lot of stuff for us. Appliances were always difficult for builders because the margins that they, the retailer is selling for is sometimes I can go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy refrigerators yeah, for, cheaper. A, for a lower cost than what I pay for them from my wholesaler. Really? Yeah. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, I think we did do that, but not the not the not the uh, you know, online the, thing, the, but just buying appliances. Yeah. And the difficulty is, you know, when you buy an appliance, you go and you see it and you buy it, and you know exactly what you're getting because you saw what was on the floor, and you buy it. But for me, I I put one in my model. That's that's the one that I'm going to offer, you know. And if I just ship a different model of uh, you know, a di- different model refrigerator after someone's seen and they expect to see what they get. Right. You know, I've got three or four month lead time. Right. Yeah. I can't just ship a different model. So I have to know. So it's about supply chain for me. Mm-hmm. And I pay a premium for that supply chain, make sure that I've got the same refrigerator coming. 
it's hard for people to understand. So I don't sell refrigerators. People ask me, hey, do you offer an optional refrigerator? And I go, eh, you know, there's going to be a sale. Some 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 President's Day or some Fourth of July. <laughs> President's Day. I'm gonna have a this, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's is gonna have a sale. You need to just run down there and get it from Home Depot and Lowe's and have it shipped the day that you close. I'll get I'll get the door open for you. Don't worry about it. And because uh, I just don't I don't add any value anyway. I, that's you know. I can see that being really difficult. So now they're gonna start offering appliances online. They're gonna be selling appliances online. Wow. Yeah, Amazon has worked out a deal. It's like. What can you not get on Amazon these days? Yeah. I mean, it's everything's going there. Well, I mean, I'm guilty of that. The first thing I do if I'm going to try to buy something is I'll go to oh, Amazon too. and yeah. see because I can get it quick. Yep. I don't have to go to the store and nope. get out and go get it. And it'll show up at the office or at the house to uh, to do that. So, uh, But that doesn't surprise me at all. That yeah, that's it's going to change. The, I, I don't know how it's going to change what we do, but it's going to change what we do. It's going to be interesting. Amazon. Hmm. All right. What else you got on there? Lingo. Conventional versus FHA. A lot of people get so confused on this, and there's not a not a really simplistic way to explain it. But basically, you know, conventional I would say is if you if you fit in that. I always like to describe it as the bullseye, the the target, the skeet ball, or whatever you go to the games and so forth at the arcade or whatever. You shoot an archery and you're trying to hit that bullseye on the target, and the conventional is that center red dot. And if your credit score is just just right, your debt-to-income ratio is just right, your down payment's just right, everything else comes in line, your income, the way your income's documented, everything just fits the box within the conventional rules, then that's where you want to be. If you don't, then all those outer rings on that target is FHA. And we've had many times where we take somebody that is, you know, they have an 825 score. But for some reason, we have to make them or push them into a conventional, I mean, to an FHA box. And then we, at the same time, we have people that we take from FHA and push them into conventional. It's all depending on how somebody's paperwork comes together, their job history, how they're paid, how it's all documented, what their scores are, what their debt-to-income ratios are. What's the, what's the technical difference between an FHA loan and a conventional loan? The technical difference? Mm-hmm. One's government-backed and one's... Going through quasi a quasi-government government agency. Yeah. That's so really one's, one is specifically insured and backed by the federal government through the Depo- Department of Housing. Yep. Correct? And yeah. Urban development. Urban development. Yeah. And the other one is backed and in, in sold and exchanged amongst banks by a, a quasi-government, either Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae. Correct. Government agency. Yep. And they're both publicly traded. You can buy and sell stock on those companies if you want to. Yep. And uh, and and that's also part of how the thirty-year bond market gets set. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. I mean, it's it, they boil down to be the same. It just depends on which which is the best scenario for your specific situation. Got it. So they all they they both offer about the same stuff. Yeah. But it's it's a tough one to really kind of zero you know, in on them. Conventional conventional loans are kind of like this. You know, when it comes to technology, there's always this thing about how do we get Apple to communicate with Microsoft? Yeah. And there's always an interface. Correct. And sometimes it's a software interface, somewhere it's a hardware interface, right? And, and, but someone has to come up with the architecture and the guidelines and the rules so that all these computers can interface. And the same is true with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. All they're really doing is setting up the rules and the guidelines so that Bank A 
can sell the loan that they write to Bank B. And Bank B can sell the loan that they write to Bank C. So that Bank C can sell the loan to some investor group or they can package it together. And if they make everything fit so that it is a uniform conversation, everybody understands what a debt-to-income ratio is and understands how it was calculated, that those guidelines and rules make it easier for that money to be more liquid and fluid in between institutions. It's a good way to describe it. Was in the engineer, David. Was it laborious how I described it? Or was it? <laughs> it was an engineer's response. Jimmy, did you understand what the heck I was saying? Uh, not, re- not really. Me neither, Jimmy. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. I Dave. did find a... Uh, I liked it. All right. It was an engineer's I'm response. I got it. But Jimmy's our guy, so he's yes or no. Jimmy's kind of my, my did I get it right? Sounding board. Sounding board. And I didn't get it right. Jimmy gave you a thumbs You know what? I got a uh, really cool uh, notification I forgot to tell you when we got on air, too, that may pertain to this and we can talk about it. But um, the uh, the Tennessee legislator has legislative has just taken up the um, E-Notary uh, Revision Act to uh, to where we can start signing documents and having them notarized electronically. Which is why you really? still you know, there's some information about it here, but because um, right now you know people say all the time, why do I still got to come to closing? Yeah, and do this and that. It's because we don't have any um, laws on the books that uh, provide for electronic notaries. That's why I have to come down and sign the document so they can be notarized and verify what it is. But our legislator is now legislator is taking up that uh, cause right now. Cool. Interesting. I have a question about notarization. We'll yeah. That's interesting. Hey, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. In the studio today, we have Mr. Chris Corvo from Midtown Title and David Lukey from Capital Homes. And we've been talking a little bit about the industry lingo for the first half of the show and then also starting to get into a little more of the house and stuff. But, uh, David, you said you had a question you want to ask Chris. Notarizing stuff. Yes. I think we just talked about that right before we left the yes. break about our legislation, legislators taking up electronic notary stuff. But, yes. Yeah, digital notary. which digital is Digital notary. Interesting. You know, so the question is, first, why do I need to have anything notarized? Well, first of all, that's uh, we get asked that question a lot is, why do I got to come in and sign this? And what is actually, what does a notary do? And really, a notary public just verifies that you are who you say you are. So if you walk in, I'm, I've known David Lukey for 16 years at this point in time, so I don't have to look at his ID. I know what he is. But we actually had a situation in our office last week where we had somebody show up. And you know, when you become a certain age in our state, you can get a driver's license without a picture ID on it, correct? Yes. Okay, so just person produced this ID form with no picture ID and we refused to administer the closing because our job our dedica- our uh, our job for the lender is to verify that the person first of all signed all the documents correctly in that it's them. Yeah, how do you so, know it's them if you have well, no way to photo ID them? Well, we don't and she said it's good enough for the, this lady said it was good enough for the state it should be good enough for us but that's not the way we operate. We have to have picture ID whether that's a passport or, or some sort of government military issue card or something like that. So we we notarize, we certify, put a seal on the document that just says that, yes, we verified that you are who you say you are and that we we think that you're that person. So outside of real estate, every now and then, you know, you find yourself doing some kind of a little thing with somebody, you lend them money or whatever, and people, I, I want that notarized. I want that notarized. 
when they know they've known each other for a long time, I mean, is there any real benefit to that at all? Other than just verify, I mean, if you get into a, a and I don't want to get too deep in the woods in that, if you get into a conflict with that person, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes down to a he said, she said, did you actually sign that or did you not sign that? I mean, that's really what the argument would be at that point in time. Not that the notary confirms that everything's true and correct. They're just verifying that you... you the person. So if, so if, if, if a person lends somebody $5,000 right, and they want a loan document saying, I lent you this money and these are the terms of which you're going to pay me back. And it's a, it's in between two people that have known each other their whole lives, for, for example. Getting that notarized accomplishes what? Nothing, because actually on an FHA note or a conventional note or Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, promissory notes are, are not notarized. Well, I'm, I'm just talking about in general. I know, right? but even it, yeah. even even these governmental agencies or these quasi-government agencies that we were just talking about, they don't require those documents to be notarized. Now, they require a document that's filed against the property in the public records to be notarized, like a mortgage or an instrument like that. But if you're just doing a note between two people and you're not securing it by real property as collateral, then there's no reason to notarize it. I mean, like I said, we don't notes aren't notarized now anyways on a traditional on a traditional home loan. Got it. All right. That's I, I, I thought that that was the case and I know that people oftentimes over uh, indulge themselves with the idea it needs to be notarized or it's not legal. No, it's perfectly legal. And, and in fact, going back to what you were talking about, how they're going to be recognizing digital notaries soon. Right. Um, you know, they had to just like now when technology changes, they had to pass legislation at the federal level that said if you're not doing a real estate transaction, you're doing a personal transaction, and you send an email that says I'm going to do this if you do that. That it's legally binding if it's a if it's a contract, so to say. Now you can't do a contract for real estate without the passing of consideration, without the passing of dollars. But any other kind of transaction that the a email can be binding if it's written to be binding in that sense. I mean, in theory, you can write a contract on a paper towel, I guess. <laughs> but there was, but there was <laughs> a time. I mean, I know that maybe well, yeah, you guys you're talking about electron and email being delivered electronically. There, 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 there was a time when a email was not. Recognized, recognized as 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 a legal part of an agreement right. because it was just an email. Right, and that's the same thing we're talking about electronic notaries or electronic signatures. Yeah. You have to come to the closing stills because you have no way of verifying the information. And our laws in the state of Tennessee do not cover the fact that somebody could sign something electronically and, and, and it's proof that it's an original, mm-hmm. which is what our legislators are taking up now to do it. I was kind of reading the proposal bill. I'm on the legislative committee for um, our trade association, which is the Tennessee Land Title Association. And uh, so not what that we he's a do, big deal or anything. No, I'm not. <laughs> but basically what we do is we help review the bills. He's a big deal, people. He's a big deal. I was about to say, he Chris is knows. A big deal. <laughs> he can play humble. He's a big deal. If you've got a problem, you need some help, you need some advice, you, you go to Midtown Title because yes. Midtown Title's got the guy that's a big deal. Exactly. He'll get it taken care but of. Just because I'm a part of the agency that helps draft the bills that govern our state. <laughs> 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 I didn't want to put that out there. But uh, but uh, so I get to see them all up front and basically we get to give feedback whenever a bill is is um, is proposed, proposed uh, by somebody who's by one of the legislators to do that, and we get to put feedback on it from our industry of what will work and what won't work. And so I'm glad to see they're finally doing that. There's some weird things in there, like like he has to do like an audio or video verification and stuff. I'm sure some of that might get tweaked over time, but um, but yeah, I think we're moving that direction, which means you can actually sign from the comfort of eventually maybe from your home, wow. sign loan That'd documents or on the airplane or I mean, how many people move or move away? 
they're yeah. living in another state and you got to do a power of attorney or you have to do something else that, that and it's like why do i got to waste my time going all the way down there mm-hmm. to uh to do something jimmy you sold a house in chattanooga or wherever it was making um, yeah making sure and, and uh did you have to go down there or sign them here and send them send the docs no back i actually or? uh knew a title attorney and went to her office and she went over the paperwork even though it wasn't you know tennessee's obviously her state of specialty but uh she notarized what needed to be notarized and then i sent them my uh wire number for my bank and uh, that afternoon i had money appear in my bank account yeah. voila and i'm Yay. like i guess it worked <laughs> yeah and so i guess we're moving to the point where you could do that from the comfort of your house mm-hmm. sweet so i know anyways but yeah so to answer your question it doesn't have to be notarized your the promissory notes or the cool. agreements to borrow money nice okay u.s inventory levels man house and inventories Hit a new low. Kind of like unemployment figures, man. Holy True. cow. Yes. What was Tennessee? Below four or below three? Three, six. Three, six, yeah. The lowest in recorded history. Was it the lowest? Mm-hmm. In- wow, it's hard, hard it last week. But what was how, how low was housing inventory, did it say? Uh, low. Yeah, ridiculously low. Yeah. I have just a percentage and changes uh, here, but it goes on to state that the U.S. home inventory has tumbled 8.9%. Over the past year, has fallen now fallen for the ninth consecutive quarters, uh, or not has fallen for nine consecutive quarters. Um, there is now twenty percent less inventory than uh, there was five years ago. And so there was an article when the year started about one of the uh, biggest obstacles that buyers would have this year in the real estate industry, and the number one thing was just. Uh, availability of how yeah. inventory. Well, you know your chart that you've got, and I'm sure you're going to put that on Facebook yeah. as well. It shows you know the inventory levels on the high end hasn't dropped so much, Not but yet. but at the low end it's really dropped. Well, and the reason is very simple because builders in general are having a tough time building in that entry level in that first time move up. Whereas the high end, you know, it's it's heck. It's I hate to say it like this, but it's always easy to build an expensive house, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to build that more affordable mid range house, but and that's where level house. Too. Yeah, that's where yeah. we're at. We're in that first time move up buyer. So when people look at the chart, we're the second one over uh, in terms of the first time move up, and inventories are dropping like a rock. I we actually got a home completed over on uh, Blackpool Court. If you want to come by and see me today. And Delvin Downs, which is off of Nolensville Road, it's the first house that I've been able to get 100% complete in two years. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Well, I, I can't get them. I can't get them 100 complete. Wow. Well, don't you think that uh, you know, especially in a, in a city like Nashville, that the entry level product is moving away from a single, almost moving away from single family residents, just because mm. of the pricing. I mean, where where do we know in town where they're building in that 150, maybe 200 thousand oh, dollar price point? And entry level product, you got to get out of Davidson County and you got to go to Cheatham County or so. That's what I mean. You, county, I, I yeah, can't yeah. think of anything off the top of my head where they're yeah. a lot of this multifamily stuff. Yeah, stormwater control and other regulations, purposeful regulations, but regulations nevertheless that are pushing the entry level stuff right out of the marketplace. Unless you go out to the suburbs, yes, to uh, to do that. So that's yeah. I don't know very many developments around town. I mean, in the in the vicinity of the downtown area where you can get something that's Under not two. multifamily or not condo condominium or something. Right. Under two hundred is a miracle. That's single family. Yeah, literally a miracle. Hey, we got to jump out to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how much the cost of uh, living in Nashville is going up. Uh, this number is going to surprise you. It sure did me. Uh, been listening to the Money Man and Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things of real estate. How much would you guys guess the cost of living, the comfortable median cost of living went up from 2016 to now in Nashville? Talking percentages or numbers? A little bit of both, but let's just talk about numbers. Just give me a nice round number. How much you think the cost of living, your comfortable cost of living went up in the last year in Nashville? 25 grand. So oh, I wouldn't bad. think it'd be that much. But yeah, it's not that bad. I would say that, <laughs> I would say, let's see, housing is probably the biggest component. Let me, let me give you, uh, let me give you a little bit more information. I'm going to say $4,000. You're going to put four out there? Yeah. You want to put a number? You want to hear some facts? I already did. I was so... Give he me said the, 20. Give, I'll say $1. Give me the fact. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Price, price is Right, right Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got mixed up. And the winner is? Yeah. The median the median rent for a one-bedroom residence in Nashville rose by more than 10% year over year, which we have been preaching about the rising rent cost here forever. So here's another verifiable source. And the income needed to live comfortably is $22,529 higher than the median household income. Now, the median household income re- goes back to another report because they're, they're comparing every single uh, state and highlighting cities. But basically, when you start chopping it all out, you need to basically make $70,150 annually to comfortably live in Nashville, Tennessee. And they break it out. The 50% of that is for your necessities of 35000 35, Then another 30% for discretionary spending, which is 21000 and then 20% for savings because they're basing on uh, saving some stuff. So the cost of living comfortably in Nashville went up from basically 60 grand to 70 grand in just one year when you factor all these numbers out. Wow. That's a lot of money. That's, that's big money. That's almost $1,000 a month raise. I'm thinking about how many employees I have. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be substantial. And then uh, it, we're seeing wage pressure pretty pretty significant. I'm sure you are too. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, because right now people are are uh, you know are, we talked about unemployment being the lowest three point six. So if you've got good people, people are definitely out trying to recruit them right now to do that. And so the only thing you can do is either let them go or or pay them to stay. Yeah, and. Um, so, so the Labor Department announced that they are increasing increasing the number of temporary work visas in the United States coming from Latin America by 20,000 this year to try to help alleviate the labor pressure. Which is such a minuscule number Yeah, in the grand scheme well, of things. Well, it's twice as many as they did last year, but yes. To uh, to do that. But, but yeah, that number doesn't surprise me, but I just try to think about people who are actually making $70,000 a year in this town, and I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to see what the percentage of people was who actually make that kind of salary in this town to do it. For a household, I, I wouldn't think it would be mm. most of I mean, I think it would be the other way around. Yeah. My assistant's out looking for a new apartment, and I was telling her about this program that M, uh, Metro uh, Development Housing Agency has, Workforce Housing. And I was like, call on it. Just find out what it's about and, and see. And, and they called on it. And some of the parameters, you know, it's income-based and a bunch yeah. of other stuff. And, like, these, some of these nice apartments that have workforce housing, you can't make more than $28,000 a year. And the rent was still like $1,000 a month. And I'm going, 
How do you do that? How do you do that? That math doesn't add up. That math doesn't work at all. But the the income cap was 28 grand. And I went, Wow. I went, it's going to cost you 28 grand just a year to live in this place to to do that. So uh, there was so many parameters in place to do that. And, and, I just know from from her, from a somebody who's who's single, not married, and out looking for an apartment, making a decent wage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to find anything, you know, that's relatively affordable close to town mm-hmm. to to be able to do that. So, yeah, you, you know, the crazy thing is, and David's over there crunching numbers. I can see it now. Mm. Um, you take a look at this because this is a multiple page report, but um, Nashville actually has, or Tennessee has. Um, one of the cheapest is one of the cheapest states to live in, and they went out and broke this thing down to even from a paycheck to paycheck point of view. And Tennessee has a percentage, a forty-seven point zero two percent percentage of income left over hmm. from paycheck to paycheck. Which you know, you sit there and for me, you listen to that and go, "All right, so people have a ton of money left over." But then you sit here and look at this affordable housing situation, you're like. What in the world, man? Yeah. I mean, it's just like... No, this is a spread. I mean, things are definitely spreading out. So. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. But I thought it was rather interesting to see that 60000 up to 70000 to live comfortably in Nashville, Tennessee, up from just one year ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes in line with everything else is going. I did read an article in the paper last week or week before last about how rent rent uh, pricing actually has went down like 3%. Rent? Yeah, that rent the rent was coming down, and that that the inventory was there where developers are starting to give some concessions. I'm gonna try to look up the article right now um, where that was at, but it was in the Tennessee and in the business section that it was talking about how rental uh, rental prices for the first time in like two or three years had actually had uh, actually came down. Yeah, I'd be interested in that one because I mean this is still showing you know Tennessee is one of the more expensive states to rent in, which. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me either. But, you know, while you're looking that up, we're going to jump into, you know, three tips that you need to know or three tips you need to follow to be successful in today's market. And one is be prepared. As a home buyer, you need to do your research. You need to get uh, pre Yeah, can't talk here all of a sudden. You need to be uh, pre-approved. You need to understand what you're looking for. Uh, Why are you buying that house? Why are you buying a house to begin with? You know, why, where are you looking for a house? I mean, it's not just an impulse buy. You want to go out and just, oh, I like it. It's cute. It's whatever. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that need to go into it and, and being prepared and knowing what you're doing. Pay for the inspectors. Pay for the home inspector. Pay for the, you know, obviously, you got to get an appraisal. That's not an option, but a home inspection. People ask you all the time, David, why do I need to get a home inspection on a brand new home? Yeah. I mean, you guys do them and everyone mm-hmm. is just like, it's just you never know. It's kind, of, it's kind of up to the buyer. I, I do, it doesn't bother me. I know some builders get very tied up in knots about it. But, I mean, please, Here's make sure that you get here. the house right. It's high-end rents drop as apartment buildings rise in downtown Nashville. After years of growth, monthly rents are leveling off in the swanky new apartments that dot the Nashville skyline. But rates increase continue at older apartment communities, including those renovated and rental rates raised. Uh, for the first quarter, Nashville apartment apartments Occupancy fell 2.76% to 92.69%. The luxury apartments. So it's talking about the luxury uh, fell about 3% for that. And to all these new apartments that are going in is what that was referring to was because there were so many coming online that the developers were finally starting to offer some concessions and stuff for that. That makes sense. There's some beautiful buildings downtown. Oh, gosh. 
Yeah, but I know somebody that had rent went in one one of these under one bedroom, seven hundred square feet, and the rent was like eighteen hundred bucks a month. That's just stupid. Ouch. So uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's really really high in there. So sorry about that. I kind of maybe got people's hopes up, but that's really on the high end level for downtown areas that that was talking about. Well, yeah, you, but the, the, that kind of relief does kind of help across the board. Yeah, because if they do create vacancy there, it would create vacant. It would kind of the trickle down effect mm-hmm. at that point in time. It would create it across the board for other communities. The principle of substitution. Yes. Oh. Economics class over here with oh, Professor David Lickey. Not only does he build communities, but he enriches our lives with... For Professor Boring over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the number two strategy then. Jimmy, I heard you laughing. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> All right. Actually, the number two tip is to have a strategy and be strategic. Uh, use the closing dates. You know, people, there's, there's all sorts of things that are going on logistically and everything else. I mean, just the, the closing dates themselves and the way you can leverage that to help get somebody in and out of a place. If somebody's trying to sell, can you move your closing dates up to make your, your offer more attractive or vice versa? Can you be more accommodating? Lately, it's more it's buy it quickly and let the sellers remain in the property. Exactly. I That's mean, what I see anymore with people. Yeah, people work out deals. People want to be able to sell their house. First of all, because they don't want to have a contingent contract trying to mm-hmm. buy something else. Um, and then they know the house is sold, and then they negotiate sometimes several months of post-occupancy exactly. on the property to do that because they know they've already got their money, and as soon as they find something, they'll go yeah. And, yeah. and go on from there. So yeah. that's what we're seeing. The other thing is seek out the ugly ducklings, man. Don't go out looking for that pristine, perfect move-in property. Look at some of the properties that need a little work. I mean, there's so many things that you could do with a, a house that needs um, not necessarily a little elbow grease, but I mean, go in there and maybe go in and do some renovations. And that's one thing we're going to talk about. I think about. they ought to buy new. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Honestly, I go don't know how many people actually do major renovations on home after they buy them, even with the best of intentions, just because of, a, of money and cash availability after they get their loan at that point in time to do that. So they'd have to have cash on hand a lot of times. But see, we're Chris's endorsement too. Buy new. <laughs> Buy new. <laughs> uh, maybe there's some subtitles that kind of went along those lines to uh, capitalhomes.com. Do that, yes. But uh, but sometimes I wonder. I would love to. Andrew's not here to defend her side. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not attacking her side. I'm just no, saying, no, just from a cash flow standpoint, how many people would actually have fifty thousand dollars to go renovate a house after they move in, or even twenty or thirty thousand dollars? Because you're usually putting all that money down on the house, right, to qualify for it. For more, more times than they're not. Mm-hmm. But so what if you could buy a house under a renovation loan, whether it's conventional, FHA, or VA? I mean, you could do a renovation loan, and that would be something that if people are educated about or their their professionals are working with would, would notify them, then, then, yeah, there are loans out there where you could buy an ugly duckling house, as you call it, and actually have the renovation costs built into it so your final loan would be the newer product at that, that point. That would be then a great you- topic for us next week because there's a lot of benefit to doing those kinds of renovation loans and rather I, than paying cash out front. And I was trying to say that, and you were over there saying, capital homes buy new. Well... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, new is good. New is always good. Well, let's talk yep. about it next week then, because I think yeah. I think that's a really unknown product that a lot of people could get benefit from to do that, especially if they had a dream, that dream kitchen or... That is our topic for want. next week, renovation loans. How do you buy the ugly duckling house and fix it up as a purchase? There Whether it's conventional, FHA, VA, however we need to do it, we can make it happen at Waterstone. So... Uh, we're out. Jimmy's giving us the door. But uh, check us out online, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. Have a great week.